Last time we were on here, it was a little bit uh, different. There was a war that was going on, but it wasn't getting much attention. Uh, I think our episode maybe has uh, maybe had the most attention. <laughs> People probably knew more <laughs> about the episode that we put together than what was yeah. happening in the mainstream media. This is obviously on a much bigger scale, though, right? Yeah, definitely. This is like a global scale. Why do you think? It's, yeah. Why do you think it's happening? Well, um, that's a question we need to go back into history. And um, there is an immediate reason as to why it's happening. And that is because there has been a significant military buildup in Ukraine this past year, especially. But have an understanding as to why it's happening. We need to go back all the way to the Cold War era. I mean, we could even go back into ancient history, but that it's it's... It's not worth it at this point because the political reasons are lie with, with the Cold War. So Ukraine was part of the USSR. And given that it was part of the USSR, conflicts like these did not arise. People were moving freely within the borders of Ukraine and Russia. So there was never this type of uh, issues in terms of borders. What, what, what was happening in the 60s and 70s especially was after World War II, what you had was uh, something called uh, NATO and something called the Warsaw Pact. And uh, the Warsaw Pact was basically uh, a counter to NATO. And what NATO was, was basically it tried to stop the advancement of Soviet imperialism, Soviet communism, and etc., you know, and the c- countries that comprised of that co- was uh, comprised of NATO is like countries like France and and the United States and etc. But it was made mainly a United States led effort. And then there was something called the Warsaw Pact, and the Warsaw Pact was basically the same thing, but instead they just wanted to counter any inv- westward advancement into the Soviet Union and etc. But this line, it's very important that you notice. This line stopped in Germany, okay, back in the day, because the Germany split between east and east and west. So this line stopped there. The NATO, and this was very important, by the way, historically speaking, because uh, the USSR and the, the Russians are very paranoid over this area called the East U- Euro- European Plain. So basically, anything to the east of Germany is just flat land, all the way up into Russia. And historically, that has always been the Achilles heel of the country of Russia, all the way back for centuries. Like Napoleon, for example, advanced that area quite easily all the way up into to Moscow. And, and Adolf Hitler did the same thing. So this is something that Russia has always been quite paranoid about. And that's why they, they the Warsaw Pact was so important for them. It consisted of countries that were on that geographical uh, of Europe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all of this ends... This whole the Cold War ends in uh, 1991. Okay, the collapse of the Soviet Union and whatnot. Prior to the collapse of the Soviet Union, a very important conference happened between the Americans, the NATO, and and the USSR. And Gorbachev at that time is like, okay, we, we could we we could dissolve the USSR. That's fine, but promise me, promise me that in the future. You will not give one inch, uh, NATO will not expand one inch east of Germany. So senior Bush at the time, he agreed to that proposal. It was, it was, a, it was a proposal by, by word. It wasn't really a formal declaration, but 
you know, 90% of politics is, is by word, you know, people just uh, behind closed doors, they, they make an agreement and whatnot, and they shook hands, and ultimately the USSR collapses. However, under Bush's terms, term, I mean, sorry, uh, Clinton's terms, NATO keeps expanding. <laughs> so NATO expands into uh, uh, 12 more countries. And some of these countries, such as the ones uh, uh, in the Baltic states, actually border Russia. Other countries like Hungary and Poland and et cetera, these are all countries that join NATO and they are in that very sensitive geographical location in which anyone could launch an attack against Russia. Ukraine, at this point in time, was not trying to become part of NATO, but that kind of unraveled later on. So it's important to know that while NATO was expanding, Russia couldn't do much about it. Russia was still a poor country, uh, relatively like relatively poor than than it was today, of course. So it couldn't manage this advancement of of NATO countries towards its border, and it's a significant security threat to them because, historically speaking, we need to ask ourselves what is the purpose of NATO. No one really asks that question. If the Cold War ended, why do we still have NATO? And everyone has a knee-jerk reaction and says, oh, it's just to counter Russia. It's just to defend ourselves from Russia. But it's, <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate. It's, it's, a, it's an entire alliance that points its guns at just one country. While Russia says we don't want to be in a Cold War anymore, you know, the West keeps pushing this narrative that the Cold War is still around, Russia is still a threat, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's like kind of like the gist of it in terms of the, the history. Okay. So, but what makes Putin go into Ukraine? So this is, uh, things start unraveling in, in 2014. Actually, quite earlier than that, in, in 2012. There was an agreement on the table in Ukraine in which the, the European, they, they wanted to have accession talks with Europe and, wanted to, and they wanted to join NATO. Okay. So what happened is, during this time, Ukraine has uh, had elections, and they elected this guy named Viktor Yanukovych. I don't know if you remember him in the news at that time, but, uh, but he was quite controversial in the West because he was pro-Russian, and he was democratically elected. He wanted to represent the, Russia's interests within Ukraine at that given point in time. And so what he did was he scrapped the uh, deal with the European Union. He scrapped the deal with NATO. And this led to protests in 2014. I think you may have remembered there were lots of protests happening in Ukraine at that time and uh, in the streets of Kiev, especially. What, what ultimately happened was Yanukovych fled the country and he fled to Russia. And when he fled to Russia, apparently what uh, people call it, people in the West call it an election, but Putin calls it a coup. <laughs> Uh, what happened was a new government was ushered in. And with this new government, the Russian-speaking and ethnically Russian portion of Ukraine, they freaked out a bit because it was a very pro-Ukrainian nationalistic right-wing kind of government, okay? So So when we talk about Ukraine, it's very important to know that it's not a monolithic country, that there, it, it, it's a country that has that has always been known to have always been split between 
and ethnic Russian type speaking peoples in the East and pro-Ukrainian nationalist type people in the West. Okay. So when the, the new government came in, the new government tried to backtrack everything that the previous Russian president tried to do, a pro-Russian president tried to do. And he started banning Russian, the, the, the parts of the Eastern parts of the country that were Russian speaking you know, he did not include Russian in the curriculum of schools and et cetera. And this ticked off a lot of people in this in the eastern part of the country, especially this place called Donbass. You hear, you'll hear it a lot in the news right now. Donbass consists of uh, two places called Luhansk and Donetsk. And these two countries said, OK, we don't want to be a part of Ukraine anymore. And they went into a referendum in, in uh, 2014. And with that referendum... It was like 95%. Yes, we want independence. And not only this area, but this also another place called the Crimea. And the Crimea had their own referendum and they also wanted to have independence. So immediately, right when this, this triggered something with uh, these Russian, uh, Russian majority speaking provinces to have their own country, to have, to have their own way of life. And immediately war breaks out this is actually very similar to Karabakh, right what what year what year are we talking about this uh uh are you talking about uh, in terms of the the, the donbass stuff the yeah. referendums yeah yeah this is 2014 those referendums happened 2014 okay and they, they they were immediately successful they had russian support both the crimea and and the donbass area they had russian support and they're immediately successful so given that for eight years, this con- these places were under conflict, and eight years of bombing and shelling. They costed cost fourteen thousand lives, and it continued well into even recently, like uh, even even a, a couple of months ago. The the, the bombing the, when the Ukrainians were bombing these areas, right now they they elected this new guy, Vol- Volodymyr Zelensky. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, hey, I'm going to take back these territories. I'm going to take back all of these territories and et cetera, et cetera. And he started arming himself considerably, you know, started talking with NATO, started doing all of these things. So the past year, especially this past year, Ukraine has been arming itself significantly to take out these parts of, of, of Ukraine. It's one of the many reasons as to why uh, Putin decided to do what he wanted to do. He actually, if, if you remember, prior to the invasion, he recognized those two entities, both Luhansk and, and, and Donetsk, and he basically recognized them as countries. So with the recognition of, of those countries, the countries basically invited him in, you know, technically speaking. Are you able to invade a country like Putin is doing today? That's a very good question, and that's what everyone's talking about. So say you have a neighbor that's house chilling and this and that but he's gone at you what do you do do you just say just you just let him be because it's his house or do you what are you trying to say about that analogy oh, okay You're so saying, what like, i'm trying Zelensky to say is, is... go ahead by purchasing nato weapons mm-hmm. by purchasing drones from turkey and etc cetera, etc cetera, you are pointing those drones and, and etc at who the russians and the russians aren't playing dumb either they're not dumb either and they they have been bombing those russian populated areas like donetsk and, and luhansk they they have been ukraine uh, ukraine has ukraine yeah yeah ukraine has mm. 
when's the last time they they threw a bomb in that area? A month a month or two ago, it, it was they were still they were still at it. <laughs> like, I'm talking about a month before even the uh, invasion and whatnot. Well, so why isn't anybody talking about that? I didn't know about that. Uh, yeah, well, that that's the that's the funny part. You're you're going to see a narrative. Look, I don't even want to say the narrative is wrong or right. You're just seeing one angle of the story on news media. And this angle is very much pro-NATO, pro-West, because these guys just want to sell guns to Ukraine. <laughs> these guys just want to expand, expand, expand NATO. They want to expand, expand American imperialism. And the media is in cahoots with, with all of that. Who's, who, who's, who's these guys? What do you mean by the, they just want to sell? NATO, uh, Western governments. Uh, America wants to sell guns to uh, Ukraine, make money off of it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They want to keep expanding, expanding, expanding. That's why this whole ordeal is breaking out because you lose Ukraine, you lose a big market to sell guns to. So are you saying that Ukraine was throwing bombs into Russian land? No, pro-Russian land within Ukraine. So the separatists, they're called, they're, they were the separatists of Donetsk and Luhansk. But look, there was a lot of tit for tat. Um, there was, the separatists were retaliating and et cetera, et cetera. But there was never a semblance of peace or calm and et cetera. It's, it's also really important to note that these, these parts of Ukraine, the, the eastern part, they're very, very underdeveloped because because the Kievan government, the central government, always considered these people in the east as like, ah, oh, they're just Russian. Ah, uh, they're just, you know, they're not one of us. They're not really Ukrainian. They don't act Ukrainian. They always want to speak Russian, these these guys. So they left the country, that part of the country, very, very underdeveloped. So, like, these villages, these towns, they have almost little opportunity. They haven't built a single building since the Soviet area. So all, era. So all the buildings you see are pretty much... Soviet era buildings so they've been neglected you know a lot of these people so Putin comes with his tanks and military believe it or not a lot of these people welcome him (laughs) they're like hey please come as if he's kind of like some kind of liberator like please come save us give us some jobs you know you know you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's it's so it's not it's not like this whole thing like oh all of Ukraine is against them A, a big significant chunk of the population of ukraine is in support of the invasion really and yes of course of course and you and and i've seen a lot of this off of uh this app called telegram and also you know you have to dig you gotta gotta dig deep in the internet but but, uh okay so if somebody's living in ukraine now and getting bombed by russia why would they be okay with it again it's not they're not bombing of uh, Ukraine that's loyal to them. You're saying the pro the pro side the pro Russian side yeah, in yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And how far and how far is that in miles would that be to where they're bombing where Russia's bombing? That, that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know with miles because that's a huge ass country, but mm-hmm. Ukraine is the second biggest country in Europe, mm-hmm. so Anything I say. What? How many be, people are in Ukraine? Like 45, 50 million? For, for, 40 million. 40 million? Yeah. Yeah. 40 now, million. now, did you think when Putin decided to go in, I felt like he had the mindset of, I'm going to take this country over in a weekend. It's not really working out that way, right? Yeah, but Mike, like, 
it's it's almost hysterical that the media and stuff, these people think that he could take down Ukraine in a week or, oh, that was his plan. He was supposed to take Kiev in four days. He didn't do it and et cetera, et cetera. This is a huge country we're dealing with. And it's not because he can't do it. It's because he wants to minimize as much losses as he want, as he can. Like warfare isn't just like, okay, I could do it. Let me just go do it. No, you want to minimize that, uh, as, as much losses as possible, spend the least amount of money as possible. So it takes time to take over these cities. It takes time for, time for them to strategize and implement whatever they, they want to implement. There, there's no timeline. Let's not forget. There's no timeline when it comes to these things. You think he's got the financial backing and equipment to sustain this thing for the next couple months? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question everyone's asking because, you know, this is the easy part, taking over villages, towns, cities, and etc. You know, you press a button, you, <laughs> that's it. That town could be yours or whatnot, right? But the hard part is ma- maintaining it. And I think... I don't know what he has up his sleeve, but I do think that he just wants uh, certain conditions met with the with the new government of Zelensky, and then they're going to go about and see what they could do with in terms of maintaining it. But it's not going to be easy to maintain it, that's for sure. That's the big what's going to happen moment there. So you feel like he, he feels good about his chances and hopes, or at least what has gone on Definitely. today? Definitely. I mean, hmm. he's, he's actually... He's, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, interesting military maneuvers that he's doing. So one part of it is him ceasing control of all of eastern Ukraine. And like I said, that's easy because a lot of the people there are like loyalists. So before he enters a village and uh, I'm saying he as in like he's everywhere. <laughs> it almost feels like it, right? Mm. <laughs> no, like if a military enters a village, they're not putting up a fight. They're like, okay, come in. You know, so the east is very easy to take out. So he's going to he'll take out the east of the country. The south is very interesting. What's going on in the south? Because uh, Ukraine is now becoming effectively a landlocked country because he's taken out the entire southern coast of of Ukraine. And given that, it, it leads me to another very important angle, and that is that this is a big. It's not only a big fu to to NATO and and, and whatnot. It's also a big fu to Turkey. And Ukraine has been amassing these uh, uh, very technologically advanced drones called the Bayraktar drones this past year or so. They saw how effective it was in Azerbaijan, I mean in Karabakh. They saw how effective it was in Libya and etc. Turkey has been selling so many. They, they, as we speak, they're, they're still selling these Bayraktar drones to Russia and Russia does not have an answer to them. So one of the main reasons why this, he wants to cut uh, Ukraine off from the south is that you know he could that there won't be any more shipments of of, of these of these drones coming in uh, via via the, the the sea and whatnot, and that will make all trade almost all trade in in the Black Sea either between Turkey or or, or Russia. So Turkey is going to have to bow down to Putin even more so after this, so as to control the the trade routes in and around uh, the Black Sea. Did you, did you get? I kind I of need to show you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a, that's interesting. Yeah, this was a way to contain, and I think uh, he's hitting uh, two birds with one stone here. So you think Armenia is okay with this? Now Armenia has a very, very interesting position and situation right now. 
right before he launches the invasion, a couple of days, like a good like three days or four days before he launches this invasion, the first foreign leader he invites to Moscow is Nik- uh, Nikol Pashinyan. Fascinating, isn't it? Who, do- who does? Putin? Uh, Putin invited Nikol Pashinyan like uh-huh. four days prior to his launching of the war. Okay. And then he invited Aliyev the next day. So this could be uh, an interesting dynamic at play here. One thing, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think they struck some kind of deal by word. But what Armenia could offer is, is something like international recognition, uh, recognizing Luhansk and Donetsk and, and the Crimea and et cetera, in exchange for more security in Karabakh, for example. Uh, because what what Russia lacks right now is international support, and it, they'll get they'll 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 want to get that from anyone and anywhere, you know. And Armenia could has a very pivotal, strong hand here in terms of doing that. Now, will is that the deal that was struck? I don't know. But let's not forget, like him inviting Nikol Pashinyan to Moscow is a significant significant thing when he has a, a lot better things to do. You would think, right? He has an invasion to launch. He's, he's inviting Nikol Pashinyan. And no questions were asked about what that meeting was about? Uh, no, no, it's, it's actually uh, quite secretive. Hmm. They, they they made statements about it, like vague statements, but that's just politics as usual. But uh, it looked like something that happened behind closed doors, and it's interesting as to... Uh, uh, it, it it could be anyone's guess, but I believe I believe it, it's something like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You don't vote. You don't vote against me during UN resolutions. You don't do this. And and believe it or not, there were some uh, resolutions that were passed recently in the Security Council or something. Not the Security Council, forgot, European Union uh, thing. Anyway, uh, the only two countries that voted against it was uh, Russia and Armenia. So I was like, oh, it looks like some interesting deal was struck between hmm. the two. Hmm. Uh, Azerbaijan is also interesting. Azerbaijan also visited uh, Putin and they signed this ally, uh, 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 allied cooperation agreement or something. It's, it's basically kind of, kind of meaningless, but it's also important because it's just Putin's way of saying, look, I'm going to be busy for a month or so, at least. Uh, you better stay put and you better not do anything, not get rowdy. Uh, down there yeah earlier you mentioned about the button and and so did he pretty pretty aggressively uh he basically told the world if you come to help ukraine i've got this button here and it's uh it's a nuclear button um i uh as as you know that's that's probably one of the most unprecedented things to say it's almost taboo no like i i could be wrong but i don't believe there's been a president of any country who has said those kind of words almost like like he's losing it man it's kind of psychotic yeah so i i don't believe he'll push the button you know <laughs> but i do think i i, I kind of liken it to because someone else actually asked me about that well is he gonna you know he's gonna use the nuclear bomb and etc i said look think of it this way like imagine you're you're at school and and 10 people are bullying you and the, the names of these 10 people is the UK, the, the uh, Ukraine, uh, America, et cetera, et cetera, all of these people. And you're just a little kid. You're just one, one person. And all of a sudden, what you do, you pull out a gun. Who's more powerful in that situation? The, the person that has one gun 
the little kid that has one gun or the 10 kids that just were bullying him. It's just a show of force, basically. It's just a, it's just a bluff. It's just a way of saying, like, look, I got I got a gun too, so don't mess with me. You know that that's how I see it. What about uh, his? What about his? Hopefully. Yeah. What about his generals, his soldiers, uh, his the people living in Russia? Do you think they're all for this? That's a, that's also a very hard to tell. Right now, it's it's hard to tell. Yes, we do see protesters on the street. Yes, we we do see. An, an outcry in, in countries like uh, even within some of uh, the, the local politicians there you know it's hard to assess and the, i think ultimately this war is much more about the minority that's running russia how it benefits them rather than of course the majority of people who are unfortunately are paying the biggest price for it all and you can't even protest against them right you get like 20 years in prison yeah, that's what I hear on the news, and uh, I'll take it for <laughs> I'll take it for what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, apparently there have been hundreds of uh, of arrests. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a hit on him? I don't. I I don't know. That's <laughs> if I, <laughs> Mike. If I knew, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I wouldn't be interviewed. Be interviewed here. Yeah, I just, it's tough I to just, say. I just, yeah. honestly, I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I trust you and, and you know what you're talking about and your judgment, but you know, with all the sanctions that are happening on his country, let's say he takes Ukraine. I don't know how much he's going to have left in Russia. And let's talk about the, the oil that us is taking from Russia. Um, uh, they, they've, Oh, put, that's a very good topic. Yeah. yeah I mean, us can easily start their keystone back up and not rely on them, but they continue to take or they continue to buy Russia's oil. Why do you think they're doing that? So this is a very, very important topic. I mean, again, this is one of the many, many variables as to why this war is happening. So in 2012, Russia has always been a great producer of oil. Even they, they produce more oil than Saudi Arabia, believe it or not. And they they have these pipelines that they've built recently called the Nord Stream and some through uh, uh, Turkey, through the Black Sea, another one through Belarus that goes, that sends gas and oil to all of these countries in Europe, right? So if you notice, all of these pipelines go around Ukraine for obvious reasons. Russians don't like Ukraine, Ukrainians, Ukrainians don't like Russians. But something happened in 2012, I believe. They, they discovered oil in Ukraine, <laughs> They discovered oil in the southern part of the Black Sea, and I'm sorry, the southern part of the country. That that's they're basically offshore oil reserves. They also discovered oil in the Donbass region. With the war that kicked off, conveniently, I don't know if it's all part of the uh, uh, this grand scheme, but conveniently, these oil fields were under the Crimean area. So when Russians took out Crimea, they also had uh, seized the oil fields there. And the oil fields in the Donbass, obviously, like I said, those are, those are belonging to the pro-Russian separatists that they in, they in 2014 ultimately broke away from Ukraine. So Russians were scared shitless that, hey, Ukraine might have oil and that will, that will make Europe less in the, uh, dependent on us. So we do need to take that oil for ourselves and not let anyone else 
you know, extract it for our own sake so that Europe could, could still bow down to us and, st- and so we could have leverage over Europe still. So that's all part, uh, part of the, the deal, you know, the package that Russia is getting with this war as well. Yeah, I, I would have to show you a map because this is all geopolitics. Yeah. And geopolitics, you, you really need a map in front of you for, for you to see how, you know, how important all of these interesting geographical areas are like, like the Crimea, the, the Crimea is like, it looks like an island, but it's not. You yeah. Know? I say, I say in a couple of weeks, you come back on, but we go on Instagram live and that, that way people can watch. And plus we can have some, uh, you know, there's be some visual in terms of maybe bringing out a map and showing us. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's pretty good. I honestly, man, I I don't know the the next two weeks. I think for him is is going to be really big and important. And uh, I tr- I trust you. I, I know you know what you're talking about. This is this is a real big passion of yours. But uh, that's some interesting things. I I really think that he he thought that this would be a lot easier than than he hoped. And I mean, hear about you know they're they're, they're taking kids now uh, to from Russia to Ukraine to fight 13 14 year old kids i don't know i yeah it's it's uh, it's sad it's it's very sad but you know it's you know what's crazy is the world just doesn't stop fighting bro <laughs> it's constant I fight i swear i swear it's just it's I, you know how how sad i feel for the people that i've been to these countries yeah. mike I've been to Ukraine. Mm. I've been to uh, Russia. These people are so similar in so many ways. And, you know, these people, the, all they want to do is is go on their Instagram just like us or go have a coffee, go use their credit cards. Just chill. Let's have a normal, decent life, just like how we are doing that here. But it's just... Uh, uh, I guess the, it's it's a curse, you know. It's a it's a curse for 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 that region, and it's I don't see it ending anytime soon. And I and I really hope that there will be peace. I really do. How long do you think this will go for? Oh, that's a good question. I think I think another two three weeks. Wow, I'm okay. calling it. Okay, I'm calling it. And he's going to take over Ukraine in two three weeks. You think? He's got he's got to take out the capital. He's got to take out uh, the entire coastline of, of the Black Sea first. He's got to make really good advancements in the east, and the west is going to be very hard for him to take out because the west uh, the western part of the country is is getting uh, reinforcements constantly and stuff. So the map is going to look very different in, in in a month. I could just tell you. That Are they much. using drones to fight? Yeah, this is one of the so this is a very very crucial factor to this war, and so I think one of the reasons why even Putin uh, stepped in in the first place it's it's because these drones that uh, Ukraine is acquiring from Turkey they're called the Bayraktar drones. Wait, wait. So Ukraine is fighting with these drones, not Russia. Ukraine is fighting with these drones. Yeah, and Russia doesn't have these drones. Russia Russia does not have these drones now. Okay, so Ukraine Russia doesn't is, even have an Ukraine's, yeah, Ukraine Ukraine is purchasing these drones from Turkey. Yes. And and let me tell you, Ukraine could have been a very very dangerous country given how much influence Turkey was about to have over them. They ran up the same tactic with Georgia. Georgia's like a proto-Turkish state. Turkey wanted to turn Ukraine into a proto-Turkish state too because NATO was letting them do so because Turkey is part of NATO and etc. Anyway, that, that that aside. But uh, uh, I, wait, yeah, hold on. on, back back to these Go drones. On. Ukraine, like where where are they dropping these drones in Russia? 
No, they're dropping them on Ukra- uh, Russian forces within Ukraine. Oh, okay, got it. They're 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 these drones that have bombs on them, and then you could you could reuse them. And uh, uh, <laughs> That's crazy. And and dro- yeah, drones are crazy because they don't have airfields. They're not like your typical air. Usually, when you want to destroy jets, you destroy the the airports that the jets uh, are stationed in. But these are just drones, man. Like mm-hmm. now, why doesn't Russia buy these drones or make them themselves? Why is why are the Turks the only ones who are making these? You will not believe. So uh, the the person who's making these is Erdogan's son-in-law, Selçuk Bayraktar. Oh yeah. So they're making lots and lots of money off of this. They made a lot of money from Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan had a lot of these drones. And Azerbaijan kept buying them even during the war. Okay, they make, they're making lots of money with Ukraine. They're selling these drones, and and the thing is, Russia Russia does not have an answer to these to these drones, and and not many countries do. Uh, um, it's it's very hard to see any an- answer for them because in 2014 there was a Libyan there was the Libyan war, and these drones were uh, employed. They were bought by the Libyan Libyan separatists and whatnot, and they were used against Russian-made anti-air artillery there, and they were destroying them like crazy. And that raised uh, antennas for any, any anyone like Ukraine who has who's an adversary to Russia, saying, "Oh, dude, we need to buy these freaking drones. These are good drones against Russian weapons and stuff, and Russians can't do anything about them." So after that conflict in Libya, everyone just started. Whoever hated Russia started purchasing those drones, and Erdogan's family made so much money off of them. And it's one of the reasons why uh, I, I, I could even say the war in Karabakh happened, or in Syria, you know, to to so you create a conflict, and then someone who's who wants to destroy the adversary would buy those drones and stuff. Well, I'm with you. The next two to three weeks is very important to Putin, his um, legacy, and his country. And uh, you think it'll be taken over by him in the next two to three weeks. So we'll see, man. Let's get back on here. Let's do an IG live next time. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, man. Okay, Mike. Appreciate you, man.